Welcome to the Rumpus Room. Hey everybody, how's it going out there? It's the boys from the Midwest back kicking it here in the Rumpus Room. And let's hit them with the takeaway message of the day. So there's this narrative out there on what is more optimal when you have kids for your genes to survive. And I think what I've been reading is the common thread has been to have as many kids as possible. But what they've been studying is actually what apes and what is really optimal is to have one really strong child Hmm. because then they become more or less the alpha or the dominant person. So when apes, when they would have a kid, they would want to only have one and they would really focus on making sure that that individual was as strong as possible. And so what they've been kind of showing is this narrative we have in our culture of I don't know where it comes from, but it's like in order for you to be the manliest man out there, you need to drop your seed in as many places as possible. You need to plant as many trees as you can in order for your, quote, yourself to move on. And what they were kind of alluding to is science has been disproving that saying you need to focus on having like a solid, like a solid learning, a solid foundation with, you know, one or two children or three, you know, really being able to pay full attention. Because if you don't, then you're basically raising 10 kids or whatever the number is, and you can't put all your energy into them. So they may not be as strong to survive and your genes may not be passed on in the really long run, you know, really long run. Think of, you know, like you have um, a king and he has a son that's really, really talented and that son goes on and has another son that's really talented. But if you think of a king that has five sons that none of them are talented, well, now none of those those become kings anymore. Somebody else comes in and overtakes them, and so that power is gone. So that's kind of what I talked about is how culturally we have this narrative that like, oh, man, get so many chicks and like all this stuff, and that's just not not really true. It's just not how you have a successful you know, gene pool. <laughs> Well, uh, it makes me think about some of the early reasons for having a lot of children. One is disease, you know, Mm -hmm. your chances of having a successful heir to whatever you've built is increased when, you know, disease and people, infant mortality rates were super high. Yeah. And, um, you know, there was a lot of disease survival. Yeah. Yeah. So I understand that. And then it kind of progressed in at least my understanding that then when agriculture came around, more children meant more hands to work on the Mm -hmm. farm. Yeah. It's free Mm -hmm. labor. So, um, then I think that became sort of the overwhelming narrative and it's only within the last several generations that that's not really been true. It's probably i don't know three generations away if you think about um our family lineage i mean most of our great grandparents were farmers and worked mm-hmm. and, and were of that sort of like um we have a lot of kids so that we can have people who work the farm yep and uh i I understand what they're I understand what they're saying about being able to focus your energy and resources and since there's really no need um, from a medical perspective or a um, food production perspective to 
perhaps I think it'd be very hard these days to ethically justify more than two children. Mm -hmm. Like one of my buddies believes that it's the most immoral and unresponsible thing to do in the world (laughs) is to have kids, which I think is a really interesting angle and and more power to him for, um, you know, having that opinion and and pushing that forward. But given today's like, uh, and he basically says that like uh, humans are a trouble to the earth. Is that his, Narrative, yeah, or how does a he little bit. Um, at that? I, I wish it weren't tinged with that sort of negativity of like humans are cancer, but mm-hmm. there's definitely um, that view uh, <clears throat> in his approach, which mm-hmm. I don't necessarily agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that a lot of environmentalists or whatever will look at humans and think that because we build these atrocious cities or whatever, you know, we're some organism that's measurably different than any other organism but any any other i mean ants build their you know their sort ant of hills. ant hills they just won't stop yeah yeah and I, and I so i think that any you know we've just gotten a little bit more sophisticated than perhaps others have when it comes to materials handling for sure and so i don't i don't know i um i we came from a family with uh three siblings mm-hmm. uh I happen to know a lot of people who go down the two and three route. Mm-hmm. Um, we grew up in a family with three boys. Uh, it's kind of funny because most of m- my very close friends are actually the middle children of families of three boys. Really? Yeah. My clothes, ducks fly together. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. I think birth order. There's a lot of truth to mm-hmm. that proxy i mean it's it's a proxy for behavior it's definitely not prescriptive i think so that i'm just looking at my friend group and the closer two friends to me are well three are elders yeah they're all elders Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. families of three and two and two but they're all the eldest so it does make sense I well, think you understand similar experiences, experience, you know, yeah. so you sort of empathize with mm-hmm. one another who's been through, you know, the same family. Yeah, like, oh, you got to deal with that. You've had to deal with that, too. Or yep. they, mm-hmm. Yeah, you just connect on a different level, maybe. Yeah, it's it's quite odd, but um, I've always, I've noticed that as I get older. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have found that I tend to empathize better with young or with women who are the middle child of three girls. Hmm. And I have this theory that um, one of the reasons, one of the, I have this theory that um, all, all siblings of the same gender understand siblings of the same gender the better mm-hmm. well better than um siblings who have mixed gender i th- i actually felt like i Check one, two. 
I found that uh, I oftentimes understand the opposite siblings of all the same gender much mm-hmm. better because um, there's a, a similar sort of unfamiliarity with the opposite sex, which I very much yeah. experienced. <laughs> We've talked about that in the previous podcast yeah, yeah. of our confusion with women because well, <laughs> we didn't understand yeah, the that. lack of experience mm-hmm. overall. I mean, for sure, just, just really, just bad. I mean, horrible. Yeah, a lot of learning, lots of there. learning. Yeah, there's a lot of learning when we were. I mean, we. It's the funny thing is, I think you and I did it together. When yeah, we got yeah. to a certain level, we both yeah. were like, "Hey, this is a major problem for us. We don't know what the hell we're doing out there. Like, yeah. we don't understand women yeah. like we should." Well, and then we worked to, you know, we kind of were, did it as a fun activity. Sure. Yep. But I mean, we sensed the same kind of frustration. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it, it is different. You know, it's just, it's, it's just, you know, lack of familiarity. That's really mm-hmm. what it comes down to. But, it is. Um, <clears throat> since we're kind of going down um, the birth order thing, I thought it might be interesting to do a little bit of an expose on how we were raised. Let's dissect it. Uh, and just kind of tell stories mm-hmm. and talk about what it really meant to be uh, growing up in a family of all three boys in uh, Minnesota, in the Midwest. Um, because I think that uh, culturally is something that a ton of people experience and there's not a lot of content or media out there right now that are really understanding what it means um to be in that situation mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to to reminiscing a bit and sharing what our perspective was uh in these different stages of life so we're gonna we're gonna start well do you have do you have an earliest memory earliest memory so the hard thing when I think of memories is I replay our home videos in my mind. Uh, yep. So I get really conflicted on what actually I remember. Um, I do remember playing basketball and like being obsessed with a ball. Like I remember shooting a basketball and that's like the earliest memory I have. Mm-hmm. That and then when the dog price. came home was a very very like when we we got that one dog that we had to give away because it was pregnant ellie the first ellie. <laughs> the first the first of two ellies yeah <laughs> and you know how we named our dog was our favorite babysitter's oh my name God. what a way to honor a babysitter <laughs> is to name your dog after oh man <laughs> talk that about three so boys oh, with a crush yeah <laughs> or whatever that I don't even know what to call it back then, but well, I have to say that our parents—I don't know why, but good lord—they hired some attractive babysitters. I think there that was, was our there mother. There was no way around it. Oh my gosh! All if you them. go down the line, hmm. just from—I mean, not to say names, but attractive from, from nannies to earliest age. Pretty much everyone. I had embarrassing crushes at like <laughs> when I was six or seven years old. Embarrassing. That's a good way oh. to throw the the little boys into the Joanna, fire. Joanna, she had this lisp, and uh, I I, 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 I would just melt. It was horrible. My and everybody knew, and they made fun of me for it. Yeah, that's the it hard was, thing when you're at that age. You can't cover up much. No, which no. it's interesting because I think there was a little bit of shame that we got from that, which we had to kind of 
a little get bit. over it. Yeah, get I over mean, when you're you older. were you were emba- I was embarrassed, you mm-hmm. know, because it, it was a little bit of jeering to the fact that I had a crush on a I don't know. She was probably like twenty college, years old. College, yeah, yeah, college, she been twenty years old, and I was seven, thinking I could put the moves on. I was less than that. I was four. I was, yeah, I don't think you were trying to put the moves. You no, were just no, like, just like I was. Who is this beautiful woman yeah, that is here? Yeah, and I have these feelings which I don't quite understand yet. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not my mom, <laughs> and it's not my cousins. Uh, you know, we were well, pretty yeah, close to yeah, our family. Yeah. A goddess graces yeah, us with her presence on on Saturday. Long nights. blonde hair. Yeah, <laughs> flowing long blonde hair. <laughs> Touching the floor, basically. <laughs> oh, she, yeah, she was, uh, she was, she was dreamy. Uh, dreamy, short of dreamy. Yeah, not nothing short. So no. we're very. Cons- did you have? Did you have a favorite uh, babysitter or? No, uh, I, I didn't have one where I was like so. You were enamored. Enamored. I was speechless. Was, you were just speechless. Yeah, I was. See, I didn't have that impact. Mine was more. Well, you were you were. Um, I was the eldest. So was you were the different. eldest, so you were. I had to a broker bit, the deal. A little you bit. did, yeah. <laughs> you, you were. You were negotiating <laughs> for our broker, freedom. I yeah. had to broker the deal a little bit. You were you were uh, you were like trying to test the boundaries Bake, of what basically we could. making sure we could do what we wanted to do. Essentially, yeah. You we, you were in, you were in a power struggle. I, I on the other hand, I knew you were in the power struggle, and I was just going to toe the line with whatever you had worked out with the babysitter. So well, we had a pretty know, good. Good deal going on back there because we knew how it worked with each oh, other. Yeah, we know how to work. It was system. like we would push the limit together, and then you could come out and be the the saving grace if I would go too far and come sneak in. And then there was always Luke who was just kind of he's rambunctious, rambunctious, and he, he was, would uh, he was, was the head. cute one too. He was like he was he the adorable of, one yeah. that. And maybe that's why I got so uh, I was. Because Luke got a lot of the attention from the babysitters, like you know, oh little Luke, that was a common and I, yes, and that I guess could be because a lot of people talk about like the forgotten middle child, and I never really felt that growing up. But mm-hmm. being overlooked by all those babysitters, maybe that's what maybe that's what really yeah, because I was really negotiating. Luke was you were the working cute on one. bedtimes after after time. I was trying to push snacks. snacks. I was trying to see how many Playtime. gushers we could get. Where we just, just to, are we going to see the how pool, far we could we go? Zoo? How far could we go? Our, if we're at the zoo, can we get an ice cream? Yeah, we want those snow cones. Can we get cotton? We candy want snow cones. And how much did mom give us? Mom, yeah, I know mom much, gave us twenty bucks. <laughs> how much money are we working with today? <laughs> how much money do we got here? How far Joanna, is that twenty going to go? I'm yeah. not. I don't know my arithmetic quite yet. So I'm I know need I got. You to help. There's three. There's so, three of us. Four now with you. I see a lot of snow cones That's, around here, so those like have to be accessible. <laughs> we could probably get those pretty easily. I feel like one of those, three of those bad boys should end up in our plates here. And are we going to are we are we going to make the trip to Apple Valley and go to the Minnesota Zoo, or are you going to cop out and Como. take us to yeah, Como? We're gonna, oh yeah, I mean, we're going to go to oh, Como, which we go there Goodness. all the time. All the time. It was and just we like, know all the animals well in our backyard. Yeah. You know? I mean, oh, come on. Oh, this there is were no, real original. There were no cats. No. Um, no, you no want to see the big cats? Yeah, you want to see the big cats. And uh, they did have the penguins, which is cool. Because um, penguins are hilarious. Penguins are odd. They're just a hilarious animal. Mm-hmm. But I do think if we went to the well, Minnesota Zoo, that was the day. That, With Science Museum was Science pretty Museum, classic. Very, very close mm-hmm. second. Uh, Omni Theater action, a little bit of the uh, anatomy. There was the Children's thing. Museum, too. Children's. Which, that 
that one I remember kind of being a little irked at going. I wanted to go big and go to the science museum. Sure. That I, was always I can't my, even recall where the children's museum was actually. St. Paul. St. Paul mm-hmm. downtown. Yep. Okay. I, it's funny, so my office is is around that area and I drove by it and like flashback memories to well, anything, pulling up there. Anything with children in the title probably wasn't gonna go far with us. No, we, we, were, no we were we weren't much, children. We were much more mature. We were very, very accomplished young boys walking around. Of course, yeah. We ready are. to head to the science museum and go uh <laughs> go upstairs. Go up the musical stairs, of mm-hmm. course. Other um uh, water parks. We did do water parks. Like we did a lot of pools. There not was a lot. There, there wasn't a lot of water park in our in our or a lot of Valley Fair. Did not. No, do a we didn't do a lot of that. I don't think we did any Valley Fair. We no, didn't do any of those rides. No, that was a. I was an scared of them. Park. Like we yeah, did. You're not a big rides guy. No, so I was. That was uh, I I had been working on rides until about a couple years after college. It's funny when I started meditating, I started getting better at rides. Ah. Uh, Able that to was like the, uh, the, the anxiety. anxiety. That yeah. was like a big thing for me as I started to, yeah, the log shoot was really terrifying, but log it's shoot. just oh, a feeling. How about this? How about this one? Um, the uh, Mall of America, Camp Snoopy. Yeah, Camp Snoopy, Camp Snoopy was, Snoopy was great. I mean, if you if you go to Camp Snoopy and you get an that was unlimited like a birthday. ride, if you get an unlimited ride wristband, you're gonna have a great day. Oh, and that I don't was the birthday. I don't care ask. what age you are. Yeah. I don't care where you're coming from. You get an unlimited ride wristband. You're having fun because nobody wants to go out there and count points. Okay. All right. Oh, we, we got. Out, we, all right. We got so we only have, points. And we yeah, were always the math guys, so we oh, would yeah. always figure out how many rides we had. Sure. So it was like you basically was a countdown to like. All right, we only yeah. have four left. Well, and then you have to really prioritize. Mm-hmm. You can't be opportunistic. If we're not doing the swings today, boys. No, <laughs> you gotta. You have to. And then you know, if there's a big line for the ride, you gotta stick it out because um, the, you know, you gotta stick it out for those for those rides because mm-hmm. you only have so many points to spend per ride. Whereas can't waste your points if you're if you got the unlimited ride wristband you see a, a line no line at the swings at Frogger Pop, I mean snap you that could, wristband and go boom, on you're in line mm-hmm. you're having fun yeah Ma- so much more optimization of the day I mean For just sure. freedom really and ultimately that's what it came down to anything that was going to give us more freedom was probably going to be a better lot for more us fun. Yeah. yeah and Camp Snoopy was one of those environments where it was extremely controlled extremely yes condensed you know yeah I'm sure there a lot are those, of risk there are those tragedies of people getting abducted or whatever but you know that type of environment was pretty pretty low risk mm-hmm. you know for sure overall yeah yeah and that was that was one of the best ones i mean we when we at that age we never did like laser tag or any of no, that stuff that we was, never like arcade karting was not a really big thing go karting or arcade no. i remember the first time we go karted was when we were with the danish friends of ours oh sure well we had and done we, it up at shell we were just not very twice. good at it i remember being no, bad were, because we didn't have any experience yeah 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 well racing is wasn't like a really big thing in our family no until you decided to Running. go and run race yeah know, we just, we weren't much drive racing no, we were we more didn't. active run racing not a lot of vehicles really no we didn't have no. much vehicles i mean driving the golf cart was like the highlight of highlight. father's day was driving in grandpa's golf cart yeah which in all fairness he did have a pimped out golf cart he did because you know. that was one of his gifts i remember yeah it was a pimped out yeah 
He was riding a, like a big boss out there. Yeah, it had like extra speed and like just a little bit better bigger wheels. <laughs> a little bit of bigger rims. Different, different kind of this, it's like a blue uh, color. Paint it looked like sequin blue. Yeah, it was. I think it had an extra seat in the back. I don't know what were some other uh, good excursions, babysitter excursions. Well, babysitter we had excursions. swim lessons, of course. Which, oh yeah, oh, I mean nightmare. we had so many activities. Because I remember we got babysitters when I was older, just to take. Well, I mean for yeah, the nanny, activities, you know, whatever. nanny. Yeah, we we're active, active young, gentlemen. active young, young yeah. boys, young bucks, really. Mm-hmm. So. Um, we had uh, obviously the the standard sort of play dates, you know, mm-hmm. with the backyard's neighbors, where you would terrorize my good friend Peter. Yes, who, I would focus on who probably today still has some blemishes <laughs> on his uh, on his ego because of it. Oh, I'm sure. Oh my gosh, I'm sure he he's was... got some memories of me terrorizing him with just the little games we used to play over in the wolf pack. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, it wouldn't work on you and Luke because you guys were t- so well, hard. We were seasoned. You were seasoned, we were seasoned and you knew all of my tricks. The tricks, yeah. So it was like a little was open fun deer walking yeah. over, and yeah. it was just it was he too was, easy. And I remember well, you just he only like had sisters. Yeah, yeah. It was that was difficult, and I think those are. But I do remember having a lot of fun back there. Yeah, a lot of games. Mm-hmm. When I when we get tired, then it turned into. Then it turned into a little bit less optimal play. Yeah, then you would get chippy, mm-hmm. you know, similar to the NBA basketball games or NHL hockey games. You know, near the end of the the game is where things really start to. Yeah, rip. that's where that's where the rubber hits the road yeah. and the real personality stabilizes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I can't even think of. I mean, we had swim lessons. We would go to the coldest pool. We did some tennis. We did we did swimming lessons in the coldest pools in the world, I think. I, I don't know. I don't Basically, know. They might as well have been throwing ice us in, in there. Well, go ahead and do swim lessons in Lake Superior. Cuz I just remember was. I don't, I, being terrorized and like grabbing onto the side, not cuz I couldn't swim because I was so cold yeah, and being cold. so mad and like consistently saying I think I can swim. I just hate how cold it is. Mhm. And then, oh, there are kids doing like flips and there's like basically swim lessons. There was a hierarchy. There was yeah, like yeah, the definitely. kids that were in the shallow end that couldn't do anything. And then there was like the kids that were doing cannonballs oh, yeah, on the, the deep end. Team type mm-hmm. people there too. I was always a middle guy. Yeah. I, 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 was, I was like a, like just in the deep end, but not all the way over the deep end. Cause I hated the back crawl and that type of thing. Yeah. Never really, um, never really was a fan of the uh, of uh, just having my face in the water. Like mm-hmm. I, I still to this day, when I go lap swimming, I I do like face up five. Well, no, I don't doggy <laughs> paddle. Uh, I'll only do like five or six laps with front like freestyle, mm-hmm. and then I do breaststroke just because it's so much more comfortable, and I feel like I'm not hating the experience yeah. of being in the pool it's not like yeah. a workout per se oh yeah it's, it's an it's enjoying great, yeah it, it's a great workout um but you're what's enjoying so, it yeah i definitely enjoying it way more and what's so odd is after i go and do um a session in the pool today i will notice all of these like new um creaks in my body that mm. I'll be like, ah, so that's been screwed up, you know? Because, like, being in the pool feels like an absolute reset. 
Yeah. It's it such a natural place for the body to be. Like it's natural. You, you are more easily um, forced into natural movements as opposed to like walking when you're really liable to your own impingements of muscles and you know lack of strength and compensation and fascial buildup i mean like the sitting in the chairs thing is posture oh yeah totally so Mm -hmm. the pool is kind of levels level set on some of that stuff but yeah anyway you find your creaks yeah yeah you i certainly do Mm -hmm. and become aware of them like my shoulders all of a sudden i'll be like oh wow yeah i was really crunching my shoulders forward you know yeah oh man that's a real that's really good to know because I, I don't swim very much, but I think that's something that could be good for me to get into. Yeah, I um, I have a lot of faith in my ability to continue to be active as an old man because of pools. Mm. Like I always, me too. Mm-hmm. I always think to myself, like, well, when things really At get bad, I'll just have to start going back into swimming and then kind of reset, you know. So yeah, I do a little bit of it now, but not like a. Not you're not. Talking. You're not all in. No, I'm not Alin, and uh, we're digressing. Now, I suppose mm-hmm. we could head back to the uh, to the to the Wolf Pack. I mean, the Wolf Pack. Well, we we obviously, as you can tell, if our terrorization of a childhood would be jumping jumping into a cold pool, we had it pretty good. You mm-hmm. know? I mean, we, we did have it pretty good. We had it pretty good. Beautiful babysitters. Beautiful babysitters. <laughs> Going to the zoo. Going to the nice. zoo. It was very nice. It wasn't. There wasn't much more we could ask for. No, we weren't. It, not a whole lot of food insecurity. I mean, we knew where the snack drawer was. Oh, we yeah. obviously would sneak around, try and not have mom see us go into the snack drawer. Yeah, because you only got a certain amount of snacks per day. Yep, yep. And there was there were a lot of tricks, and I don't think any of them actually went unnoticed. I thought I was being sly, but I would. It's I pretty would easy be. to know when the snacks have gone down. When you're the ones buying them. Well, you're, when you're, yeah, and and she's an accountant for Christ's sake. Yeah, she was she, on a on a schedule. She probably had an inventory of on how a many. Schedule. Probably yeah. had. She's. Oh, we've lost. We lost B one, B two, oh, and B three this afternoon. She writes them on her Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, it looks like the uh, the sharks have disappeared a little <laughs> yeah. earlier than normal. We, I think we may have. We've lost two fruit roll ups this afternoon, <laughs> and only Adam has been home. So uh, I think I know I where those went. I think we know the culprit. <laughs> She was the actual original inventor of having weights in the drawers, and she was just weighing everything every single time we I'm sure. <laughs> pulled them out. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, it's a little bit lighter. She had the original IoT home of Snack Patrol. Yeah, Snack Patrol. Constantly, because you never know if you over over de, overdose on the well, fruit roll-ups, then everybody else pays for it. it it's true, and you know, I, I think that's a pretty legitimate IoT um Mm-hmm. Uh, thing you, you know let's say you got a diabetic kid or whatever and or you you know trying to watch intake in a particular manner mm-hmm. pressure sensitive drawer throw the throw your snacks in there you got all the snacks weights on them I'm sure it'd be super easy to program that thing to just track and automatically update to a spreadsheet which would say or just have an alarm system <laughs> yeah, well, nowadays, freak out the little one. Well, nowadays people have these cameras in their home, and I am—I don't have children, so it's not something that I, um, you know, pretend to have any idea about. But one of my old coworkers had a camera in her home, and she would routinely t- tune into it because she would 
get a notification when her son got home from school. Hmm. And then she would go on her phone and pull out this camera and just watch him sitting <laughs> sitting on the couch in their main room. Mm-hmm. You know, eating snacks, watching TV, and there my coworker is just keeping a watchful eye over oh, the Oh, boy. I so hope I that like, little boy knows. Man, and he definitely knows because mm-hmm. every once in a while he looks at the camera. He knows he's being watched. So we have uh, a security system with cameras, and you can speak through the security system. Sure. So I'll do it to our dog every once in a while. It's hilarious. Inside or outside are we talking? Inside. You have cameras inside. We have inside cameras because they, of course, they come along with all the deal, the security system. Oh, it was already in the house when you went. No, no. So we we got a security system. So Mm -hmm. my significant other is very supportive of a, a security system. She's had some bad experiences and they, you know, it's like, okay, you can have the security system. Oh, we'll throw in an in three in-home cameras for free. If you, oh, you know, sure. if you buy now Yeah, yep. and then you get a doorbell cam. So we've, we've, uh, you've positioned, positioned those. him. Mm-hmm. I mean, we put them in places which are like basically covering the doors. Sure. So it's like nobody can get in yep. without us seeing it. Yeah. And then you can also say things to the people in the house. Sure. So you have we have an app and you can speak to it. So that's where I speak to the dog. In the middle of the day. And it gets very confused. <laughs> it has no idea what to do. And does it come from a particular speaker or just yeah, all of that? Yeah. There's basically whichever one you're looking at. Okay. It will like turn on and there's like a beep that goes on. And then it, that camera will turn on. You can say something through it, which is super creepy, but it's really funny. Yeah, it's that is the future. But if you think about it, like this young kid whose mom is watching him when he walks home from school or gets home from school, this is just his first introduction into the rest of his life where pretty much For everything sure. he does is going to be on camera. So uh, at least we, he knows it. Yeah, and we like think about, you know, the invasion of privacy and I'm sure older generations are like, Oh, you know, I'd never do that or whatever. But this is a kid who He's like, dude, I had camera on me my entire life. Yeah. I don't care. Pretty much. I've lived in the Truman show. That is, that is the reality. And a lot of it is self inflicted. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm willingly throwing this thing up on the camera here. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I heard London is the most watched city in the world, like the most cameras. So if you're, out on a street in London, you are being filmed. You're on a camera. Yeah. Which that's crazy. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I'm that every major city. I don't know how I feel about that. Every major city though. Let's talk 50 years from now. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it's based, just, based on, it's basically the, inevitable. I think so. And based on the amount of information that, can be gleaned from those cameras. I think that from a financial perspective, until people value privacy more than they value safety or security or like the whatever illusion they're selling, of, yeah. whatever they're being sold in mm. terms of you know being filmed that frequently, whether yeah. it be being sold the sense of a sense of security and a sense of safety, or whether it's you know, we're looking at you because if we use facial recognition and we catch that you walk out of this store, we're going to start bombing you with ads because, like, that's the next. Well, that's <laughs> for sure. So I, I don't that's know. where it's going. If if the 
likes of the Facebook and Google start taking over. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a, um, a, they're trying it. Yeah. There was a, uh, clickbait article on the web that the height, the header was Mark Zuckerberg filmed, giving a two minute rallying speech about how everybody is against Facebook and we got to do this and that. And he was trying to rally the troops and I, I didn't click on it just because I was kind of like, I don't, I don't really need to see this. I get the idea. And I thought, I thought it rather funny that, um, that they're in that position. Well, they're, they're now, they're now being like the basketball team who's like, everybody hates us. They don't give us no respect. Yeah. We got to go out there and go out there. We got to go out there and work harder than everybody else. And, code more and let's get everybody's password like, <laughs> yeah, let's do let's get everybody tracked let's get let's, everybody's identity let's collect let's every, every piece of identification yeah. on everybody yeah, yeah. and then let's use go. it to sell them shit let's get them to click on more ads yeah i mean we are we are gonna push so many ads we are gonna have more ads clicked on than anybody anybody google Fuck them. Screw them. Amazon, get them out of get here. Get them out of here. No. <laughs> we are going to own I'm the ad game. You. Are you kidding me? Are you excited? Because I'm excited. Well, I heard this I heard this hilarious story of a um, Microsoft employee who was fired by Stephen Balmer. Mm. And for the, you know, you know, Stephen Balmer. Oh, yeah. Have you seen those? I've seen the dance videos. You've seen the dance videos. Oh, my God. It's sad. He is a fascinating person, human he is. being. And so in this video, um, and if you haven't looked at the Stephen Balmer tapes of like him during Dancing their company meetings, company just sweating meeting. profusely, being obnoxious, go ahead and Google those Microsoft uh, Worth company laugh. meetings. They're hilarious. But um, so this guy is a, is a, programmer at microsoft and he said there's like 15 people around the table and balmer's there and they're like trying to name their search engine and um so balmer and this guy does a much better impression of balmer and he's like yeah you know we're gonna call it we're gonna call it bing because like you can just go bing i need something bing what do you guys think bing say it bing say it And and he's he's going around the room telling everybody to say bing and the first person he goes to is this developer guy and he goes and the guy just goes bing and he goes no 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 fuck you it's bing come on you say it and then he goes on and points at other employees and every single one of them is going bing you're kidding me bing bing yeah and then finally he gets back to him and he goes say it say it again and then he goes Bing? And he goes, fuck you, you're fired. You're kidding me. No, and he fired him on the spot. And then this guy gets all nervous and he starts going, uh, Bing, Bing, Bing. And everybody else around the table is going, Bing, Bing. Oh. And he goes, you had your chance. I don't ever want to see you again. Wow. You're fired. And I was like, oh my God. That well, is you can crazy. see that coming, that energy coming through at his company dance meetings. Oh, yeah. What an oddball. Just wow. an odd duck. He is. Yeah. He is. It's interesting. And I believe he purchased the Seattle Seahawks. So he has the, the Clippers. Guy? Oh, he has the Clippers. Mm-hmm. He's the Clippers guy. Who is? I think he's trying to purchase Seahawks. somebody else. Oh, that's Paul Allen. That's Paul Allen. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which I think he passed away. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh huh. Well, um, 
the well i guess there is a, a little bit of a good segue there because we're talking about entrepreneurs uh so do you want a quick wrap on this idea of entrepreneurs as heroes of society yeah today there's this narrative out there that entrepreneurs are basically like the heroes they fall on the sword they solve all the problems but what commonly people don't understand is that's just a fancy financing mechanism is what they do is they take all of this money of somebody else they run around and act excited for about five years and then try to ipo it and common example are uber lyft and WeWork is the latest one and we are you see these companies that aren't really set out to sustainably solve a problem and 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 run a company and turn a profit sure and so what they end up doing is you have to consistently you have to be consistently bailed out Mm -hmm. basically you get bailed out by investors and then you get bailed out by more investors and then you get bailed out by more in the hopes of cashing out by doing an IPO, which is getting bailed out by shareholders. Well, and, and bailing out is certainly the case for Uber, Lyft, and WeWork. Yes. A lot of people who IPO, they're just straight cash flowing on all their equity and they're making out like bandits. Well, but- and that's the and that's the model of the not profitable, which the hard thing is you got Amazon who's creating a shitload of value and not turning a profit. They're creating value and you have these other companies that it's kind of coming out that they're not creating as much value as they say they are. So like Lyft and WeWork are, you know, at these $38 billion valuations, which that's obviously becoming untrue from what we're seeing. And I just think it's really interesting that these, what they tout these entrepreneurs is like, oh, Travis, what's, is it Kalanick or Kalanick or whatever? Yeah, yep. He was like this, you know, just tearing walls down and he's so transformative and he's doing such a great thing for everybody. And, um, you know, it's like this consistent vision. And then it, it really kind of, you see some of the things that come out about him and he's not this like amazing hero that he's built at. There's not this image out there of him. That's like the savior of, you know, cab driving. Well, I think the days of the user driving the value of the company are gone. Mm -hmm. I think this is just reflective of the fact that everybody is wising up to, you have to have legitimate competitive advantages and the ability to turn a profit in order to be at a, you know, these insane valuations. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think any of these startups have really gotten there. Well, it's hard when you, when it's such a short time period, like they're just massive growth. Yeah. Yeah. And, And for me, it's like, it's kind of it's unsustainable to grow at that pace. You know, you think a lot of the successful companies like, you know, Amazon's uh, probably Microsoft. They have been building, you know, they built on a successful product, which Microsoft was the the operating system. And then mm-hmm. you got the, the office suite. And these companies are like building off of like really, really successful products and they're adding on. And so you just see that you see these like WeWork is a really interesting example because I just did not believe that guy from the start. Um, Oh, yeah. Did you um, hear that? I believe they are trying to uh, back out of 40 percent of their long term contracts that they signed. 
it's 40 percent. yeah uh they overextended themselves and signed up for like 40 percent too much real estate in because they had these like 10-year contracts on ridiculously expensive places yeah it's like the middle of man like the center of manhattan like the most expensive places in every city yeah basically they try to establish it and you know what so we work is an interesting example because that's a i was thinking about being somebody that, that bought an office there and the culture just was just so not something that i thought was healthy or sustainable so i was out and then after reading a lot more about the the investor and who he that or the ceo and who he was it just is it was really interesting because i think we're starting to understand that these entrepreneurs are like have a little more fault than we once once thought yeah and the um the value of the value that's generated by the company is now I think under much more scrutiny where the old days of like the, and really um, this is the second coming of it because the first one was a dot com boom. Mm -hmm. And then, but this is the thing. And I've told you once I've told you twice, I'll say it again. Second wave shit is always what makes the sustained change. Mm -hmm. So, First wave feminism made some progress, but second wave fem- feminism was really what did the, made it all the Got way. Mm-hmm. Same with civil rights, same with um, sort of any like cultural, cultural or societal change that occurs. Like the 60s. 60s were first wave push on like a new way of thinking and acting and it just didn't work. It didn't mm-hmm. penetrate, but... What it does Allowed. is it, it sows the seed for the mm-hmm. next sort of thing. And I think that's kind of what's happening in entrepreneurship right now. Yes. Is we're having that second wave of success, but the new paradigm is being set. And that paradigm of just going out and getting users with no real sustainability well, or, like or the freemium advantages model. Mm-hmm. is just is being debunked and is being challenged by investors. So it's it's a, it's an interesting It's time. healthy. And it's a healthy yeah. thing to just look at and from ob- from an objective standpoint say like all right what is this telling us about you know the transition of taking an IPO it seems like it's going to be a lot more complicated and it's so it's just really interesting to sit on the sidelines and think of um you know how is this impacting every business and and you know how do you run your own business or how do you participate and what companies do you work for you know a lot of people are out there trying to get new jobs it's just is very interesting cuz you think of a company like WeWork who's cutting 40% of their leases. I mean, they're going to be dropping a ton of employees. They will drop a ton of them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. But that's all we got for you today, folks. Turn in next week, and we'll be back kicking it here in the Rumpus Room.